Good evening and welcome to Milkshake Monday, episode 186, Free Cost. Beware of what the world calls, calls free, but Jesus is priceless. Now, some of the times when I come up with a title, it's very easy to figure out what I'm talking about. And I purposely had the Milkshake Mandy announcement just show priceless because I want to focus on Jesus being priceless. But before I do that, I wanted to level set some of you who don't go to church, probably don't really pay attention much to things of the Lord, but I wanted to share some things and insights. So the first thing I want to say is this world has become very jaded and skeptical and doubtful and delusional and dysfunctional and all the all these things desensitized that you can imagine. But I want us to have some appreciation of what has happened to some of us who started as children and now are well-grown adults. But let me tell you some things that may have been some lies from our youth that have helped us become jaded. Now, if you have young children, I'm going to dispel some of the falsehoods of childhood. So you may not want them to be listening to this teaching tonight, at least the first few minutes of it. When we were children, we heard about the fantasy of the fairy godmother, this woman that flew around in this beautiful dress with the little... I don't know what you would call it, but she had her wand and she could do magic for us. Or the tooth fairy, when we lost the tooth, you put the tooth under the pillow and you get some quarters, dimes, nickels, dollars, five dollars, whatever you could afford. But that was because you lost a tooth and somehow magically you're going to get money for it. Well, you had the Easter bunny who was bringing us the beautiful baskets of candy and peeps and all the good stuff. If we just went to bed on time and in the morning we had Easter baskets and we had a new dress and everything was going on. And oh my goodness, you know, when we got to Christmas time, we had the man in the red suit and we had these flying reindeers and all kinds of fantasies that from childhood we've been told, which we call them fantasy. We think they're cute, but in reality, we are lying to our children. And I got to tell you, I'm 54 now. When I learned that Santa Claus was not real, it took me two years. I am not kidding you. I was upset about that. I never said nothing to the mom. I didn't say anything to my father, but I was upset that I had had this fantasy and I was, I was so excited about Christmas. I was the believer full throttled because I went to bed. I, I was afraid to open my eyes on the, the just chance that if, if I opened my eyes, that Santa Claus wouldn't bring me any presents. And when I did that, I wake, wake up and I saw all these presents. So when somebody finally bust the bubble and let me know that wasn't true, it bothered me. It bothered me for a lot of reasons, but I was lied to. And I know as kids, you're like, oh, that doesn't matter. But that kind of stuff settles in on you. And I really purposely decided, I said, Albany and Faith will tell you, I didn't tell them there was no Santa Claus. I said, you may get some gifts. You may not get some gifts, but they're not coming from some fantasy person. It's coming from mom and dad and, and Lord willing, whoever gives you something. And even for Easter baskets, we put baskets out. They knew what was, who, where the baskets came from. I didn't say nobody came in here hopping and jumping and bringing them a magic basket. There was an Easter basket and they knew mom and dad either bought it. I say that because as you start to see more and more children, they are finding out about sex on the bus. They're finding out about all this stuff in life that we may not have heard until high school. They're learning about us in elementary and in middle school. So some of the things that we think are so secret are not so secret. But when it comes to truth and lies, they are getting what I would say a mixture of maybe a fourth of a teaspoon of truth and six cups of lies and mixing it all together. And it's deceit. 
but they believe it as truth because the people that are telling them are sometimes their children that they consider their little friends or they're hearing it from somebody else or they even hearing it from people who are big and grown who are lying to them and they don't know any better. So that kind of stuff bothers me to this day, especially when there are more lies coming at these children who are becoming adults, who are now raising families, who are now having grandchildren. And you got a bunch of people who are grown, who don't know anything about the truth. And then when you start to talk about the Lord Jesus Christ, oh my goodness, y'all. So much stuff on the internet, Facebook, TikTok, on the news, all these places where they don't know the truth. And the more tragedies, the more of the last days that we see unfolding, This issue of lies and truth and deceit, they work into Satan's advantage because we as believers in Christ, we either don't want to talk to people about Christ. We don't know enough. We are fearful, whatever the excuses are, but we got to get to the point. We start talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I want to talk about this one easy topic, the topic of free. Because when we start to witness Christ, we use this word free, that the free gift of salvation. But if everybody since childhood has been learning about the lies of all these little fictional characters, they can throw Jesus Christ in that same boat. Why is Jesus real when Santa wasn't real? Why is Jesus Christ real if the Easter bunny isn't real? Why is Jesus Christ? And you're like, that's absurd. Is it absurd? Now we talk about Jesus Christ, who most people can't see, and he's offering something free, but everything about free has been a lie. So I'm going to go through some examples of the lie of the free of the world. I am one of these people. And when William was alive, he used to love the big box stores. We could go to Sam's club and and drop $300 in a blink because it was just a fun place to go and buy stuff. But what made it fun for me, I would go down the aisle with a food aisle. And as you're going down to food aisle, especially on Saturdays, they would always have these makeshift situations where you look over and there was a person and they had this tray of the little white containers. It used to be little pill containers, but on this tray was these little white containers and whatever their product was that they wanted to get market analysis or they wanted people to actually try it. They would put it and they would say free samples. And so if you're a little hungry on Saturday, going down the aisle, You know, you look to see what the buzz was, where was a line, if it was a nice smell and you may pick up a little sausage here, a little nuts here, little chips here, try a little drink here. But each of them was considered to be free, free samples. But the whole point was, was to lure you over, let you try something. And as you're trying it, you go, hmm, that's good. They would bring out the full bag and say, hey, on aisle seven, you can get this. And here's a coupon for you to go pick up one tonight and you can get a two for one special. And instead of you going down the aisle, picking up your little list, you don't picked up five or six new items. And instead of your grocery bill being $100, it's $150 because you picked up all these samples that were supposedly free, but you bought the whole big bag. That's how free samples work, right? We know that part. Well, let's talk about somebody calling your house. Hey, is this Anita? Anita Helm? 
Oh, we have a special free vacation for you, Anita. Oh, we want you to go to Florida. We want you to go to Massanutten. We want you to go to Cancun. And it's a five-day free trip. And all you have to do is sign up with us. And you only have to have a 90-day session of talking and listening to our presentation. And oh, by the way, just give us $99 tonight and we'll book it all for you. It's not free. And you know, you get hoodwinked when you're young, but as you get older, what's your excuse? There's no excuse. These, these vacations that are free are not free. Let's just make it, let's break it down. If you give us something to $99, that's not free. You got to travel there on your own. That's not free. You got to take leave from the job that you should have in order to go to here to timeshare spiel. That's not free. Your time is not free. When you get down there, I assume you're going to want to eat some food. That's not going to be free. I'm assuming that if you go to a resort area where there's got some rides and some stuff for your family, they're going to probably want to go and Disney world and wherever you want to go is not free. So you've dropped three or $4,000 on this free vacation of yours. It's not free. All right. Let's think of some more detrimental freeze that you hear and you may experience in your own life. When you get the free taste of crack, the free taste of heroin, the free taste of the cigarette or the vape, the free taste of the cocaine, the free taste of the beer, the free taste of the cigarette. Those things somebody gives to you perhaps free and you think they're a friend, but they're not a friend. There's somebody that's hooked on a habit. They want you to get hooked on a habit so y'all can be together and y'all can hang out together or that dealer in the background that's offering a free sample so he can hook you in so you can get that habit that'll take you into incarceration or death or whatever habits can be lifelong and chemical dependence. It's not free, but at first, Hey, just get a free taste. It's not free. The world's free cost and it's deadly. Now I want y'all to understand that when it comes to Jesus Christ, he can't have a price on him because there's nothing that we could ever pay that would ever be enough value that would be able to satisfy the almighty God's worth of who his son is. The triune God, father, son, and Holy spirit. There's nothing that all of us creations, all of us bundled together could get all of our dollars and nickels and dimes and all together. We could never pay for Jesus Christ. We could never pay for the free gift that he has to give us because we couldn't pay for salvation because it cost him his life, his blood that had no sin. So when we start to say free, you can't even use the word free when it comes to Jesus because Jesus is priceless. We can't afford even if there was a value on him, there's nothing we could actually do. So he has to be given to us from the father out of love because we couldn't afford him. We couldn't afford the gift of salvation. That's why he says it's a free gift of salvation. And guess what? He purchased through his blood, his sacrifice, those nail scarred hands. He paid the price because we could not, but yet we will believe the lie. And I got cousins on this stupid Facebook. I mean, you are stupid cousins. I got to tell you, the more I hear all this ridiculousness about how Jesus is, is a lie and a black man can't trust this white man's religion and all that garbage. You are believing the lie of the devil. But I speak to you not because I'm trying to be holier than thou or big in my pants or whatever. I'm saying it because things are happening now and people are dying. 
children are dying. And unless we start coming to terms about who Jesus Christ is and what choices have to be made now and not later, even my family, I have inter- immediate family members. I have people concerned about everything but Christ. I have children who haven't really spent any time in the house of worship. I have children in my family that don't even know the Bible. They don't know much about the Sunday school lessons that I learned as a child. They know about every ball. They know about every game. They know about every songwriter and all the hip hop and the rappers, and they know how to do their boogie and they can jam and they can be on Facebook and they can show their body and you be selfie and this and selfie and that. But if you talk about the things of the Lord, they don't know and they don't care. That's the fault of parents, grandparents, aunties, uncles, cousins, because we would rather tell them how cute, how good you're doing in school, but we don't want to tell them about Jesus. But tonight I want to tell us about the priceless one, Jesus Christ. So I want you to go to Hebrews chapter one, and I'm going to read it because sometimes it's, you don't want to go to the Bible because you, you, you just don't think it's important enough to go. And some of you may not even have it, but you got the phone. There's a Bible on everybody's phone if you can just Google it. So I'm going to read Hebrews chapter one. And I want you to hear these words for why we can't pay for Jesus. We can't find anything that we have of our own value that we could pay for him. It's not that he's free. It's not that he's free. He's priceless. There is no price that we could give to the father to allow his son to come and be spit upon, beard pulled out, tortured, absolutely tortured because of the love that he has for you and I, for us to have that access to the father. So I'm going to read Hebrews chapter one out of the amplified. And as you're listening, I want you to appreciate that the priceless son of God loves you. And that if it was just you, but it was all of us, he would come even knowing how sinful you and I are, he would still come. But look what it says. God having spoken to the fathers long ago and the voices and writings of the prophets and many separate revelations, each of which set forth a portion of the truth. And in many ways has in these last days spoken with finality to us in the person of one who is by his character and nature, his son, namely Jesus, whom he appointed heir and lawful owner of all things through whom also he created the universe. That is the universe as a space time continuum. The sun is the radiance and only expression of the glory of our awesome God. Reflecting God's Shekinah glory, the light being the brilliant light of the divine and the exact representation and perfect imprint of his father's essence and upholding and maintaining and propelling all things, the entire physical and spiritual universe by his powerful word, carrying the universe along to his predetermined goal. When he himself and no other had by offering himself on the cross as a sacrifice for sin, accomplished purification from sins and established our freedom from guilt. He sat down revealing 
his completed work at the right hand of the majesty on high, revealing his divine authority, having become as much superior to angels since he has inherited a more excellent and glorious name in they, that is, Son, the name above all names. For to which of the angels did the Father ever say, You are my Son? Today I have begotten, fathered you, established you as a Son with kingly dignity. And again, did he ever say to the angels, I shall be a father to him and he shall be a son to me. And when he again brings the firstborn, the highest ranking son into the world, he says, and all the angels of God are to worship him. And concerning the angels, he says, who makes his angels winds and his ministering servants flames of fire to do his bidding. But about the son, the father says to him, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. And the scepter of absolute righteousness is the scepter of his kingdom. You've loved righteousness, integrity, virtue, uprightness, and purpose, and have hated lawlessness, injustice, and sin. Therefore, God, your God has anointed you with the oil of gladness above your companions and you Lord and the foundation of the earth in the beginning and the heavens are the works of your hands. They will perish, but you remain forever and ever and they will wear out all out like a garment and like a robe, you will roll them up like a garment. They will be changed, but you are the same forever and your years will never end. But to which of the angels has the father ever said, Sit at my right hand together with me in royal dignity until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet in triumph conquest. Now, Judas Iscariot, who was one of the 12 disciples, but he was always the son of perdition. God knew that he betrayed innocent blood of who Jesus Christ, we just learned in Hebrews 1 for 30 pieces of silver. And I want to ask you, how much is your betrayal? What do you mean, Sister Helen? What do you mean, Anita? How much is your betrayal for Jesus Christ? I'm a saint of the living God. How can you say that? Then why aren't you following after what his commandments are saying? Why aren't you doing the great commission? What has cost you or you are allowing to put above the son of God who's sitting at the right hand of the father? What price is there for your popularity or what people will think of you or your personality or how you feel or what you don't want to do? How much is your betrayal worth that you want to put Jesus in the background and puff yourself in the foreground? Because you want to take care of whatever you want to do, because it's easier to go after the free samples and the free habits and the free vacations and the free parties and the free friendships and the free, free, free of things that you think are free. The dinner with the man is free. It's not free. It costs some. They got some expectations. 
But see, when we get so puffed up in ourselves, we don't think about Christ and what he is is priceless. Now, let me go to some other passages of scripture. We all have sinned. We've said that. I say that every week. We all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But I want to read this scripture out of Romans 3.23 because I want us to hear it in a way to say, do we really treat Christ as priceless when it comes to our daily living and our words and what we convey to others about who he is and the importance and the fact that we're in an urgent time frame in this world right now, because people today may not be here tomorrow. And you may be the person that God and the Holy Spirit put in their path today. But are you willing to betray Christ and keep your mouth shut? It says here in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We know that. We just heard about Hebrews 1. God is on a plane that none of us will ever be on. The Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 24, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed. Now, all those big words, big words that you say, I don't get that. I don't know what that means. We sinned. One sin is too many sins with the holy God. One sin means with death. And I'm going to show you that. So you're born and shaping into iniquity from Adam's sin. We all sin. So because of the sin that we came in with, with baby got slapped on the bottom, we were sinful creatures because of what Christ did in his salvation in dying and being tortured to death on a cross by the creatures, us, he covered the sins for those who will receive and believe who he is and that he's the son of God. And that because of his sacrifice out of love to us, we have that sin covered. But there are those who will refuse that. But this is what this passage is talking about. Verse 26 says, to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness that he might be just and that the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So you have to have faith in Jesus. You can't just say, I believe in uh, these uh, license tags that says, let's all get along basically, and it's coexist. And let's believe in the Muslim, let's believe in the Jew, um, the people who are all these different faiths, the Hindus and all these things. God says the only way to the father is through the son. He didn't say in Hebrews one, Hey, I'm going to call Buddha, my son. I'm going to call this person, my son. I'm going to go Allah. My... No, 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 no. You either believe he's the truth or you believe he's a lie. You can't have it both ways. You can't have one foot in the Hindu community, one foot in the Jehovah Witnesses, one foot in this place. One, It's either you believe the truth, that he's the truth. He's the one way, the truth and the life. You either believe that or you don't. You either are going to betray him with 30 pieces of silver or you're going to believe he's the truth. You can't have it all the ways. You can't get along with the spoke theory. You think that everybody, everybody's going to heaven. I met a lady in the sauna. I meet everybody in this this little place I'm going to. And she was determined that the moon and the stars and the fire all had this energy and this, that, and the other. And she didn't want to hear about God. And I shouldn't call him God and talk about Jesus. I should just talk about love. I have to talk about the truth. You can believe the truth. Or you not believe the truth, but I got to tell you what the word of God, the inspired word of God tells and teaches us. So if you want to hear it, I'll tell you now that I'm going on to my next appointment, but you can listen to milkshake Monday and get the scriptures. But I'm going to, I'm going to tell the people that God puts me in their path when I hear crazy stuff, because she was talking some crazy stuff. 
But that's her perspective. And this woman kept telling me how I'm 71 and I got a great body and she flexed her arms. I got a great body and she showed me her stomach. And I wanted to say, honey, all that going to be in hell if you don't learn the truth of God's word. Let me go on. Romans 6, 23. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal salvation. It says for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God, that is his remarkable, overwhelming gift of grace to believers is eternal life in Christ Jesus. You can't pay for who he is and what he's done. There is nothing that you can do other than surrender your life. And admit that we have sinned before a holy God and we have to ask him to forgive us our sins, past, present, and future. For those of you who think that you are living so spiritual that you're not making sins today and tomorrow, honey, 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 sweetie pie, we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And that falling is falling. It's not that you're going to live perfect. We all try to live a life that is pleasing to God and try to live, but we are not the righteous one. He's righteous. We are a filthy rags until God looks at us through Jesus Christ. Now let's go to Romans five verses eight through nine. The son was given to die for us. Not many of us. We talk this talk. I even say, I would say to my two girls, probably, hey, I, a mama would take a bullet. But yeah, when the gun is pointed to me, I hope I would do it. But in reality, we all think that we would sacrifice ourselves for our loved ones. And maybe some of us would. That may be true. But in this case, Christ was coming to take on human flesh, even though he was deity. And the very beings that he had fashioned and made and created and the sun and the wood and the things of the earth that he had created and formed with the power of the Holy Spirit to submit to, I say the word torture because we hear it a lot. I have pulled out a piece of my hair before I've, I've cut my finger or the dog has scratched me or I've burned myself. I've done little things myself and I go, ouch, hurts. But actively having people pull my beard out, put thorns in my head, nails, I could get a, a paper cut. I really, I hear the words putting some, a nail in somebody's wrist, two wrists and feet and, and the things that Christ went through. I hear it, but I can't even appreciate it. When I saw Passion of the Christ many years ago, I could see the filmatography of it, but I've never gone through such excruciating pain. And then to know that somebody is whipping me, I've been beat as a child and, you know, getting a slap on the butt or a belt, but not torture like they did to Christ. So when we see that he went through that and he knew he was going through that, but he still did it. And the people that he was doing it for mocked him, spit on him, strategized to kill him, but he still did it. And so that part I read a few weeks ago, Romans eight through nine, I read again tonight, but God clearly shows, I want y'all to know the active tense. This is not past tense like he showed, but God clearly shows and proves these are active verbs, his own love for us by the fact that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We're still sinners. But he actively did that, knowing all the sins that each of us would have in our books. But he would wash it away with his blood. 
Therefore, since we have now been justified, declared free of the guilt of sin by his blood, how much more certain is that we will be saved from the wrath of God through him? Now, when we read the scripture, John three sixteen, we always know this scripture, even at the ball games, you see it in the banners. But again, I think that we've been so desensitized because we hear these things at church, the preachers say it, we can probably recite it. We learned in Sunday school, the little kids are so cute. They read it. Oh, John, you know, John three sixteen, and we get so numb to it. But I think because we really have not encountered such powerful love, even with our spouses, our children, our grandparents, our friends, they love us, but they love us to a, a certain point. You know, if you get ugly, they're going to be a little upset with you and they may cut you off a little bit. They're not going to talk to you. But God, knowing how ugly all of us could be to him, how we could reject him, how we could spit on him, how we don't want to claim him, how we could betray him, how we can ignore his commandments one day, how we can just, just say, we don't, we just forget you, God. I don't want you. I'm mad at you. I'm upset with you. You took mama, you took daddy, you took my wife, you took it. I don't want anything to do with you. I just can't stand you right now. We do all of this stuff in our behaviors to God. But then when you see that him knowing all of that, him understanding the torture that his son would go through him knowing what Anita Helm would do, what Pam would do, what, what, what Mary would do, what Horace would do, all of that known information before Christ even came. And still you can read for God so greatly loved and dearly prized the world that he even gave his one and only begotten son so that whosoever believes and trusts in him as savior shall not perish, but have eternal life. You know, somebody's going to do ugly to you. You usually don't go out and give them your best, but he did. Now in Revelations five, I go there because we often find that we focus on what we see today, but we don't understand that this world is not our home. We hold on tight to it with the drugs that we take to make us better and medicines and doctor's visits, but this is not our home. And there's an eternal salvation that if we were to make the choice for the priceless one of Jesus Christ and his free gift of eternal salvation, that we would have that right relationship with the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. But I think because Satan doesn't want us to talk about Jesus Christ, he wants to talk about programs and buildings and, and things that are temporary. We, we lose focus on the lamb. We lose focus on the Hebrews one, the son there. So I want to read Revelations five, starting with verse one through 14, I believe. I think I'm doing one through, I'm sorry. I think it's four, one through 14. Correct. I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne, a scroll written on the inside and on the back closed and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel announcing with a loud voice, who is worthy having the authority and virtue to open the scroll and to break the seals. And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth in Hades, the realm of the dead, was able to open the scroll or look onto it. 
And I began to weep greatly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or look into it. Then one of the 24 elders said to me, stop weeping. Look closely. The lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has overcome and conquered. He can open the scroll and break it, its seven seals. And there between the throne with the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb, Christ, standing, bearing scars and wounds as though it had been slain with seven horns, complete power, and with seven eyes, complete knowledge, which are the seven spirits of God who had been sent on duty into all the earth. And he came and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb Christ, each one holding a harp and golden bowls full of fragrant incense, which are the prayers of the saints, God's people. And they say, and they sang a new song of glorious redemption saying, worthy and deserving are you to take the scroll and to break its seals for you were slain, sacrificed, and with your blood you purchased, you purchased people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom of royal subjects and priests to our God, and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne and the voice of the living creatures and the elders, and they numbered myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands innumerable, saying in a loud voice, worthy, and deserving is the lamb that was sacrificed to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every created thing that is in heaven and or on the earth or under the earth in Hades, the realm of the dead or on the sea and everything that is in them saying together to him who sits on the throne and the lamb Christ be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever. And the four Living creatures kept saying, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped him who lives forever and ever. I want y'all to read that in your private time. And I want y'all to read that scripture in verse nine. It says, he purchased people. He purchased me. He purchased all of us because we could not pay for him. He paid for our salvation with his blood, his sin free blood. He paid for us. The gift that he gave us, he paid for. There's no Oprah. You have a car, you have a car and you go home. You have to pay personal property tax and you have to pay maintenance fees and you have to pay insurance. None of that. None of that worldly free. That's not free, but cost. He purchased the people with his blood. The last two scriptures. Luke chapter nine, verse 23 through 26. And then we're going to jump to Luke, I mean, nine fifty-six. So Luke nine verses 23 to 26. And then we'll jump to 56 for the last scripture. I'm going to talk to you about the call to come to Christ. Many people that listen to Milkshake Monday are saved. I know that. But there happens to be times where people who just are curious, what's she talking about? What's up with that woman today? I want them to hear a call to Christ. Christ paid the price through his blood, but 
it's not an easy call that he's calling you home because there, there are things that he's requiring. He's requiring you to realize that you were a sinner and repent. He's not telling you to be perfect. He's not telling you that you're going to be some goody two shoes because all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And he actively understands that this life and this flesh wants to do evil, but he's given us the Holy Spirit when we accept him and receive that free gift of salvation. And we understand that we need his help. We have to surrender because we need him every moment of the day, every second of the day. But there's some things regarding this call about denying ourself because our self wants to only take care of self. That's why we're willing to be like Judas and betray him for 30 pieces of silver, betray him for the boyfriend, the girlfriend, the husband, the wife, the, the goods at the job, the, the riches of this world, you know, God and mammon choices every day. God says you can't serve two masters, but that's what I believe 98% of us in this world are trying to do serve both. And God says, you can't serve both. You're going to either hate one or love the other. And I'm just saying the one that is priceless gave his all for us, but he says, you can't be ashamed of him in this world. You can't in front of, in front of some of your folks love hell and love the devil, but then in front of the other folks love God. It don't work like that. And he's telling you that we're in the last days. That's what Hebrews 1, we are in the last days. And just like you see somebody five dying of a stray bullet, somebody 20 dying of this, somebody dying of COVID, somebody dying of cancer, somebody dying of this, people are dying. And that death that's in this natural body, there is a a reckoning of this life, short or small. God is discretion, but God says, There's a choice to be made. You can choose life, which is Christ, or you can choose to live under the curse and death. And Satan would be really thrilled for everybody just to keep their heads under under the rock and not know what's going on. But I'm telling you, in the word of God is telling us we're in the last days and we have to start opening our mouths. All right, Luke chapter nine. And he was saying to them all, if anyone wishes to follow me, as my disciple, he must, he must deny himself, set aside selfish interest and take up his cross daily, expressing a willingness to endure whatever may come and follow me, believing in me, conforming to my example and living. And if need be suffering or perhaps dying because of faith in me, For whoever wishes to save his life in this world will eventually lose it through death. But whoever loses his life in this world for my sake, he is the one who will save it from the consequences of sin and separation from God. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world, wealth, fame, success, and loses and forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed here and now of me and my words, The son of man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory and the glory of the heavenly father and of the heavenly angels. Verse 56 says, for the son of man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And I want us to recognize that it's it's not difficult to say that 
you need to get help in your life. You've tried everything and it's not working. And I don't like to pretend like, you know, people with free samples say, try this. It's not about try this for being superficial and flippant, but you've tried doing it your way. You've tried living a life where you're lonely and sad and, and there's a void in your heart. Something's missing. And you've tried filling it with alcohol and drugs and sex and, and, and partying and being with people in the flesh and doing all this stuff, the noise of life, the noise of, of all the temptations that Satan is going to keep throwing at you. But I want you to know that some one who Hebrews one talks about the son of God, that God has named him his son and has him so precious loves you enough, not loved, loves, actively loves you and has proven himself for that love that he came and yielded his life so that you would know how much you're loved, unconditionally loved. But you have to make a choice for Jesus Christ. You can't live your way because God's not going to get off his throne for any of us. He has his principles, and he's a holy God. And he said, I've done what I've come to do. My son has purchased the people that want to follow him through his blood. But now it's your choice. It's your choice. And I pray in the name of Jesus that somebody is hearing this all around the globe. And they're, they've been wondering, what's this life about? Am I all alone? Does nobody care? Christ cares for you. Not past tense. He cares for you. He's there at the right hand of the father praying and interceding for you because he knows how important it is for you to know that he loved you enough to come to take all of the torture. He would do it again because you're that important to him. He loves you that much. And it's my prayer that you won't get tied down by the lies of the free of this world and get trapped like a fish going to a worm that's just going to snatch you out of the water and burn you up to eat you. Versus Christ who loves you enough to take your broken self because without Christ, you're broken, you're empty, you're lost. And he wants to embrace you and bring him to your to you, to him, so that you will be in his bosom, that he could pray for you, he can take care of you, he can comfort you, he can give you knowledge, give you wisdom, give you understanding, give you his peace. Because that's what's happening. The people that are seeking after these freebie items, these temporary treasures, they have no peace. They, they can pretend like they're happy and, and selfie and, oh, I'm looking good and look at my body and look at all this fame I have and assets. They have no peace. If you don't have Christ and the love of God in your life and that sweet fellowship of what he brings, you have no peace. And it's my prayer that those of us who say we love Christ, that we will do what we have to do. Stop betraying Christ and giving over to our selfish ambitions and interests. Take up our cross daily because his word says the harvest is ripe. It's ready. It's, it's ready in full. All these people are hurting. 
We have to open our mouths and tell people about Jesus Christ, not about our church, not about our denomination, not about our program this Sunday to make $5 for this and $1 for that, but talk about Jesus Christ and the word of God and the sweet fellowship of who Jesus Christ is to them right there where you are here and now in the grocery store, at the gas station, on the street, wherever, share about Christ because we don't know when these people are going to take their last breath. And we want to be part of that labor. I love you and Lord willing, I'll see you next time. God bless you.